podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nina Kauser Show. Not won a league game this year. It's a bit grim, isn't it? Lost 3-0 to one of the lowest um, scoring sides in the league, Wolves. Finished 3-0 to them. Absolutely disgraceful. I don't even know where to start. I'm sure my guests and you know some of our callers will help us with this one. But you know what? Let me intro our guests. Um, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they can make light and sense of what we've just witnessed as a whole. Um, First up, my guest is Carl. Carl, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Nina. I'd like to say glad to be back, but I'm not sure I can say it after that result. Yeah, I know. Listeners need to be aware that we are just so absolutely deflated, and even the the pre pod chat has not been great. And joining Carl on the pod and another brave soul on the pod, it's Andy Wales. Andy, welcome to the show. Yes, another one regretting uh, to regretting that I agreed to come on today. <sighs> Sick as a pig. I know, I know, it's absolutely grim, guys. Before I go to our first caller, um, I just want to get: How are you feeling? Like, I think it's really important to check in on one another. We're friends, right? How are you feeling? I'll come to Carl first. I mean, I'm I'm glad that I have a lot of the distractions in in life other than football at the moment because you know usually you look to, to football kind of when things maybe aren't so you know you need kind of a stress relief some some something to take your mind off things but at the moment all we're getting from football is stress and. It's just as I think this. I'm pretty sure this is my first appearance on a pod this season because it's been a busy year. And um, I mean, it's really my first chance to 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 kind of put it out there that it's it's just everything's going wrong that that could be going wrong. I mean, you know, the 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 recruitment's poor. The obviously the the medical handling of of players is poor, and obviously we've had a lot on on other pods about that this week. Um, you know the the coaching's been poor. The the attitude and application of the players has been poor. Like there's there's just no positives to take, and and for that reason, it, it's very hard to see. I think we, as you said, we were having a chat before the the podcast, and as uh, one of our callers is going to be on soon said, it, you know, it, it's just hard to see where we come out of this and how we come out of it. It's just it's a really tough time to be a red.
I've got to say, Nina, I I was angry. I've gone past the stage of being angry now. I no longer have the energy to be angry. I've moved into despondency now. And up until midweek, we still had Everton. At least we could look to them and say, well, at least we're not the worst team in the league because there's still Everton. And now they've got Sean Dyche and like they're actually uh, assembled and functioning like a football team and they've got to know each other. Uh, I'm worried because they've remembered how to win and we now look like the worst team in the league. We look like 11 strangers on the pitch, like those players have never met each other before today and they just went out there and and yeah, and then what happened, happened. And, and I know they haven't, but they also played like they'd been, well, they'd been on the piss before the game. And um, there was varying degrees of that. The two centre-backs looked like they'd been at it for a good 12 hours at least uh, with whiskey chasers. And it was it was just atrocious, absolutely atrocious. And it is, uh, as, as Carl said, this season has just gone from bad to worse. And anything that could be bad and could be wrong and could be a mess has been. And it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And that's... I guess that's why I feel so down at the moment because the one thing we had was it was so every you know some of the problems that we had were so glaringly obvious that you've got a transfer window there in January to make you know at least make do something that could to, could help us in the second half of the season and we've chosen to ignore that for whatever reason so now yeah. that's it now we're locked into this for however long it goes on and it just doesn't look like or feel like we can put some wins together. We can win a game, and let alone put some wins together. Now, it's um, oh, I actually feel like it's Godfather Two, and and it's Michael to Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart because I feel like th- that's what this team is doing to me right now. Yeah, I, I get that. And you know what? We're going to talk about everything, and obviously, like. What, what we witnessed but you know what? I am going to go to our first caller because I think we should at least not keep them you know in anguish and misery so it's a familiar voice on the Nina Carver show um it's Kieran Kieran welcome back oh thank you Nina no it's, it's great to have you um yeah the floor's yours uh well what can you say about Liverpool at the moment it's um it's not good it's not good at all this is probably as low as it's been in oh, probably since Jurgen Klopp's been at the club, I think. You know, I don't think I've felt this low. I know the COVID season, we weren't pretty good, but there are mitigating factors because we had no centre-backs and we were playing midfielders as centre-back and etc. But this season, we're just, we're just flat out poor. We're a really poor side. And like you said before, right now we're playing... We're we're playing like a championship team right now. We're you know especially the midfield. I think it's pretty bad, but it's it's not just the midfield. Our forward line is so blunt. Our defence is as bad as it's as as bad as it's been in a long time, and it's just not good. And I think for us to get back to the top, I think it's going to be a while because especially when you consider we've lost key people behind the behind the scenes at the club and. Until we get a structure back in place, it's going to be it's going to be some rough times. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think there's just so much uncertainty, isn't there? And just 
with what um, uh, Kieran said there. Let's let's pick that up. And Carl, I'm going to come to you because Andy said something, and it it almost depressed me even further that we're locked into this now. And I think there's just it just feels like you know even like with the COVID season where that Kieran just alluded to, and we can all agree it was a pretty pretty dreadful viewing for many many reasons. Injuries, no fans, everything. Football just felt very very surreal to me in that in that moment. But the club was still running as the club should be running. Right now, it just feels like there are so many problems. I remember when we broke off for the World Cup and there was news being leaked that Ward's leaving and senior players, you know, senior members, you know, upstairs are leaving and this is happening and that's happening. And then you've got all the injuries and then, you know, who's taking charge of the tactics and the, the, the training? Is it Klopp? Is it Linders? Players just aren't performing. Players that we were used to seeing absolutely drag us over the line, completely lost their intensity. And, you know, today's results for me and the performance basically is the epitome of what Liverpool Football Club are right now. I mean, how do we go from a really, really well-run club when we had Edwards and the recruiting, the recruitment was on, on, you know, elite and everything was running so smoothly to watching this witnessing this and just seeing everything just broken from top to bottom and this uh, result and this performance for me summarizes where we are no no certainly it does i mean it's it's not it, it it's no longer a case of of we can say oh well we're you know we're, we're just underperforming I, I think this is our level and that's not to say that the players aren't capable of more of, of course they are but I I think it's it's clear that we're not going to get more from them in, in the current state. I mean the the comparison to 2021 is is interesting, and I, I, and I think that there are a few parallels to to draw. But I think we're we're seeing that the problems from 2021 in on a much larger scale here. I mean that season it was a complete oversight to not replace Dejan Lovren with another centre half to 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 presumably wait for for Kanate it, it left us short we got a bit of bad luck with injuries and and obviously we suffered for it and furthermore obviously then as i said there were injuries but a lot of those injuries you could say were were bad luck for for example van dyke's injury but this season we have had you know a, a complete oversight with recruitment as far as the midfield is concerned it, it's next level and then the injuries, I wouldn't even say we can blame bad luck for the injuries because, I mean, we're, we're seeing, if, if you listen to the to the lads over on fatigue index and stuff, you, you can see there's, there's a cause for the injuries. There, there's something we can fix and we're not fixing. We're, we're getting things wrong. And I, I think, you know, maybe 2021 should have served as a, as a warning to the club and it, it hasn't. And... In again, when you look back at 2021, you, you kind of knew there, okay, if we get us, you know, a couple of center backs, if we get, you know, get kind of even just to have someone back there, if, if we get the right players in the right position, you know, getting Thiago and Fabinho in the center midfield and, you know, kind of playing to our players' strengths, we can fight our way out of this. And, and we did. But I just don't see how that happens now. I, I know a lot of people are looking to the return of Diogo Jada next week and, and wondering if maybe when he's back, we might go back to the 4-4-2 that we were playing 
prior to Christmas and it, it seemed to be improving things somewhat. But, you know, I, I feel like that at the very best might paper over the cracks and, and we, we might get the, the odd result. But I, I, I don't think we're going to see a recovery, anything like 2021. I, I think we really have to, as as Kieran pointed out, we just we just need to, to start again, pretty much. You know, we, we need to fix problems there's there's rough from top to bottom and, and it needs to be sorted out it there's no quick fix here there's no there's no bounce back it's it's just not coming that this is as you said nina this is what we're in for for the rest of the season unfortunately Andy, you just decided to depress me and i'm going to come to andy andy i mean it is it, we, we just look like we're rotting i mean if you had to i'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here because you know kate um Carl just mentioned there that, you know, where do we start? So I'm going to ask the question to you. Where do we start? I personally think things might be resolved if something with FSG gets resolved. I think then we have some kind of standing and balance that, okay, we know what's happening from top and then we can build from that. Because we can't build from the bottom because they just don't give money. I mean, it certainly looks that way, doesn't it? In terms of investment, The, the team needs investment. Yes. It really does. But what we don't know is behind the scenes, this whole thing in terms of of Klopp and his influence on what's going on behind the scenes and the recruitment and and the decisions he's making. Is he overruling people? Is he undermining others? You know, basically, are we not functioning in the way that we used to be uh, in in our recruitment? And if that is the case, then we need to we need to address that. That's the thing that needs to be addressed because even if money isn't made available, if we're not making the same type of decisions and it's going through the same process it used to, then again, we could be making the wrong decisions in terms of recruitment. So we could be wasting that investment. And, and, and I mean, who knows? Maybe there would have been some money available there if Klopp decided he wanted to go. And, and if he'd have gone to them and said, right, I need a midfielder, you're going to have to back me. I need 40, 50 million pounds, say, to, to go and get Manokone from um, Brussels Merchant Gladbach. Because I believe not only is he one for the future, but he can help us for the rest of this season. I I kind of suspect that if Klopp goes to them and demands that he needs it, they would find a way of doing it. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Um, we, honestly, we... honestly speaking, honestly speaking, I have. I mean, it's really interesting you say that, and I know we're meant to be covering the Wolves game, but I feel like this is going to be a much more muchness this season. I truly believe that he. I literally believe that they will not give it him. I don't know why. I've just. I've got enough. I'm not saying I hate FSG. You know. The success for me came under them. I just think now we are in a situation with what everyone else is doing and how everyone else is being able to spend money however they want. I don't think they have the capabilities of competing with what's around them. And I, I think to some degree, because Klopp is, Klopp is that kind of person, he's not going to say anything. I think he has a set budget. And uh, if he chose to blow it on Gakpo when... Okay, you blew it on Gakpo. Wasn't really needed, in my opinion. Couldn't really get excited about that signing because, it, to me, it kind of indicated that Diaz is out for much longer than what we anticipated. And uh, the fact that the midfield has been a screaming, screaming, screaming part of the field where we really, really needed to address for about three, four seasons now. I think he has a limited amount of funds with FSG. And they never, ever invest yeah. their own money. They'll never invest their own money. 
Never. No, and, and, and they're never going to be able to compete with never. the likes of, of City, the, the people that are back in Newcastle, um, what Chelsea are doing financially. Okay, they're never going to be able to compete with that. And there's very few owners that are going to be able to compete with that. But could they have done more? Of course they could. They absolutely could. But again, we can, we can only speculate because we don't know for certain. And Klopp being the guy that he is, you know, if he is being held back and he is being denied, then he's not going to come out and tell everyone and wash his dirty linen in uh, in public. But I do think as well is the the, the place. I mean, coming back to to your initial question, you know, where do we start? Is in terms of the team investment, it it is as you said, it's screaming out. It is absolutely blatantly obvious. And I know sometimes. Managers, and, and I worry that Klopp has gone down the Wenger route here, that you know, just because something is so obvious, it doesn't mean you have to be cleverer than anybody else to, to prove that it's not, you know, not everything is as obvious as it really is. But this is absolutely blatantly obvious. And sometimes it's blatantly obvious because it is just blatantly obvious. And it is the midfield. And, and I know it can be easy to say, all, all right, then, it, you know, like one or two players can't necessarily transform that whole department. But the same was said about the defence, about Van Dyke. You know, he's spending £75 million on Van Dyke. He's not going to change that defence overnight. Actually, he did. Allison taught and made a, made a massive difference as well. Sometimes there are players that can have a, tra- a transformative effect. So, you know, who knows? One, two of the right midfielders, maybe they can transform that area. But when you look at our squad options and what's going to be happening this season, in this summer, sorry, uh, in terms of the squad, in terms of uh, the age and the contract situations, you know, one, two midfielders just isn't enough. It's it's three, four midfielders that we need now. So yeah. where we where we should have been smart and done it incrementally. Um, it would have been a lot more affordable to be doing one per summer and very slowly, you know, that, that midfield would be evolving. Instead, we've left ourselves in a situation where we've got to have a complete overhaul. And then when we're looking at the midfield, that's got to be overhauled. Now we're in a situation where we're looking at other areas of the pitch as well as a consequence and now looking like we need to make some serious adjustments in them areas as well. So it's it's... It's got to be a massive summer for Liverpool. If the, if if we're going to be anywhere near back challenging for anything next season, it's going to be after it's going to have to be a massive, massive summer, and that's a lot of turnover, and it's going to have to be a very, very high um, strike rate in terms of success as well. I do absolutely agree with you, Andy, and this is what makes me even more frustrated about the the winter window in the sense that maybe we could have eased ourselves in, done a bit of work this time round, and then done a little bit in the summer rather than having to just go all out in in one window. And and I think that's the 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 most concerning thing. And you know, you're right. You know, when Ginny left, we could have just bought one and then another season, bought in another. Slowly, slowly, just keeping it fresh, keeping it fresh, keeping the wheels going. And the fact that we were like, oh yeah, we're great, and then we just let everything fall it I can't like it almost gives me the vibes of that great AC Milan side of of Ancelotti the Nortis, you know Maldinis and the Nestors and all those players and just letting them age and like it's just uh, yeah um, I'm I'm just gonna stop I'm gonna go to my next caller um JC Tyrone are you there John 
Hello, Nina. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you perfectly, my friend. Um, Nina, I think um, I'm going to turn into a broken record for the next two years on this podcast because Liverpool is not going to change. I think uh, I think the last time I called in was Brentford, and it's pretty much the same same thing. Um, the panelists there were talking about the 2021 season. I think the, the 2021 season got labelled too easily with a failure on the centre backs, but that that was a failure on behalf of the whole team. I think that we lost six games in a row at home, and just because you have two centre backs out doesn't doesn't excuse losing six games in a row at home. Um, that's terrible, terrible form, and you know. I, I Salah, I, people that have followed me or, or know me from Discord, I, I did not want to renew Salah's contract. And Salah was very poor in that 2021 February run when we lost those games. And, you know, it's been two years since that there, and I think we've seen him play well for six months, and we're paying him $350,000 a week, plus bonuses or whatever. You know, I, um, I'm not singling him out completely, but the one thing that keeps reminiscing through my mind, Gina, you spoke the last time I was on, the, the, when we hired Klopp, the German reporter you had said, Jurgen Klopp, be careful, Jurgen Klopp might break your team. Yep, yep, John said that, I remember. Um, yep, he goes, um, he, yep. Our team's broken, Gina. I, it, it's, it's, people are suggesting maybe the players are not playing for the manager. I've I seen them at the second half. They've tried to play. We've played some decent football, but it, there's there's nothing in that team that can be sustainable for ninety minutes. You know, there's little flashes here and there. You know, Nunez should have scored maybe one or two. Salah maybe had one, to, but you know, Bravo just keeps trying to kill the first defender with his crosses every time. It's just there's we're playing seventy five percent. We don't have that team doesn't have a hundred percent in it anymore. They don't even have ninety percent. You know, club. Klopp has broken the team and refuses to buy any players to fix it. And we're gonna we're gonna burn out Batisic. That young kid's playing well, you know. But God help him, he's nineteen yeah. years old and he's starting four Premiership games in a row. It, it's you know, you know I, we're gonna do the same with him and Harvey. You know, it's just we're gonna burn them out. And by the time they get to twenty two, twenty three, nobody wants to buy them. You know, we can't. We have this sell to buy, but if we burn out, injure, you know. Expose overexposure of young nineteen and twenty-one year olds, and and they they have a run of bad form. They automatically lose their price. You know, you got to keep your powder dry when you have these young players. And we we were just literally throwing them into a boiling hot pan of water and expecting them to thrive. And it's you know he, the, the kid's doing very well, but it, it's it's not sustainable. Um, I don't know. It's. I think new owners, Gina, but I don't think new owners alone is going to fix this. But um, that's it for me. Thanks, guys. No, thank you so much. I think we're all pretty much on, on the same route. Like, how does it get fixed? How does it get fixed? I mean, um, I'm going to come back to the game. And, Carl, I'm going to come to you. So, starting lineup was pretty much as we, we thought it would be. I was quite intrigued to see Fabinho not even make the bench. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Klopp was asked about Fabinho's form uh, in his press conference. Yes, he was. And he, he seemed to hold his hands up and, and say, obviously, it's not going well for Fabinho. And there'd been talk of kind of maybe a fallout between the two. And, you know, Klopp acknowledged Fabinho is frustrated, but it's a nor- normal for a, a player in his position to, to be 
frustrated. But, you know, I'll be interested to see kind of what comes out in the wake of that because, you know, if if there's no injury there, if, if he didn't pull up in training or something on those lines, or, or maybe there's a, something personal going on. Obviously, we know he he, um, he has some things going on with his family. But if it's not something like that, then clearly you, you have to wonder, is there something more to this fallout with Klopp than than what Klopp is making out and I mean it's I was really disappointed in the press conference that you know the journalist who asked the question about Fabinho didn't follow it up and and ask if there's some something underlying with Fabinho because for me you know I've seen people put up charts of how many minutes he's played and he's played I think the equivalent of like a 34 year old or something like that what you would expect and obviously that's going to take its toll and I, I think we saw that last season there was kind of a slight decline on the season before but he's completely fallen off a cliff this season. And, you know, I know I'm not the only one who speculated on it. It's it's out there on Discord and social media and that. But I, I just, I'm just convinced there has to be like a chronic injury or some kind of illness, you know, long COVID. Obviously, that's the new excuse for everything. But uh, there, there has to be something there because I've just never seen such a, a stark decline in a player that there hasn't been, you know, in, in terms of a physical sense that there hasn't been a reason for it. I think the one comparison I'd make was probably Eider Johnson, and he still managed to reinvent himself. But if people remember, he was in a road accident and he broke both his legs and he lost a lot of pace as a result of that. But, you know, Fabinho hasn't been in any road accidents that I'm aware of. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it seems to me that there is something physical with Fabinho, and I think that's knocked his confidence, and, and that has affected him in terms of his technical form, you know, and, and that's why he looks so much worse this season. And, you know, if he's frustrated with that and, you know, he's not happy with how the manager's, it doesn't feel the manager's given him much help, and if there's been a fallout, I mean, it, it's it's just another symptom of of, uh, the the situation we're in at the moment, unfortunately. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, um, I think I saw something um, being tweeted. I think it was James Pierce, um, Andy, saying that Fabinho had like some mild illness or something. You know, like you, you you'll always get those um, at post um, post match, I suppose. I mean, what did you make of the lineup and um, and of course uh, Fabinho not even being part of the squad, given the fact that we are so light on midfielders and just options in general. Um. He may not have been in any road accidents, but there's been some absolute car crash performances from the team lately. So, uh, I, I just, 
I'm not quite sure what to make of the whole thing with Fabinho. I mean, I, I would what I would say is that he's actually does, scattered amongst the the season. There has been some good performances from him, um, and I do think that we haven't helped him at times in terms of our the structure of our team and the setup, and the fact that we've asked him to cover way too much space on the pitch because he's not the most mobile as it is. So we we haven't helped him, but you know, on top of that. His performances have been poor. His decision making has been erratic, and and he doesn't look quite the same player that that he was. And and to be fair, none of our players look quite the same players that they were at the moment. But they haven't all suddenly become bad players. I think there's there's a physical demise with some players, but they haven't all become bad players overnight. I think the the biggest thing that we've got at the moment really is the fact that there's just absolutely no confidence throughout the team. And and that is a that is a huge, huge thing with the way that we're playing at the moment is the complete and utter lack of confidence in our play makes everything so just uh, disjointed. So, you know, that that's not really helping anyone look uh look any better or being able to sort of uh, make up for having a bad day or or the fact that the team is is just all over the shop. But yeah, it was, I mean, it, it's a strange one. He, he that cameo performance from him um, last weekend. Brighton, yep. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's got to be one of the worst uh, mm-hmm. substitute performances from anyone. It really was. And and you kind of wonder whether his head went because you know when he he made that challenge he should really have been sent off. I I don't believe there was any malice in it, but he knew that he'd made a bad challenge as soon as he'd done it. Yeah. And I, and I do think it actually bothered him because he knew he'd hurt the guy. He knew he'd hurt him, and and it's got in him. And maybe maybe the whole thing's just really shook him up, and he's just not in a good place this season. And who knows if there's been a fallout on top of that. Again, it's just another thing of this season where, you know, come the summer, it might be yet another player in terms of this turnover. And we're going to end up with a lot more turnover than we should be having. Um, but anyway, in, term, in terms of the actual team itself, uh, to be honest, I, I I think it picked itself today. From what we've seen in recent weeks, the only encouragement that we've had is probably the first 60 minutes against Brighton. So that team practically picked itself. Uh, Nunes playing centrally was a relief. But we had absolutely nothing on the bench. So if it wasn't working out, we had we had no way of changing it, of doing anything to up the quality or do something to make an impact. And, and that was my concern from the off before we actually kicked the ball. And, and, and I'm sure we can go into that with Joel Matip. But yeah, I, it's... It's just everything that's going on at the moment, really. It's it's just it, everything's just a mess, and it is like I say, I, I just feel despondent. Yeah, it's awful. And you know what, Andy, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you because this kind of ties me in quite nicely with um uh, players and what he had for options. I've got a question here from Justin. He put it in our chat group, didn't he? And he's got a question. He goes, if Curtis Jones isn't getting on here in favour of Ox, of course, we're talking about later on in the game when the subs were made, when 
when is he going to play? And Kev kind of answered it. Um, he goes, he's not. But have you got any insight to add to that? Because I feel like, you know, why is this player still lurking around then if he's not going to use him? Is he just going to be a bench warmer? I, I, I'm still not, I've still not made up my mind on the player. I just feel like I'm not seeing enough of him. He gets really stupid injuries. I just don't, it just feel, he feels like a nothing player. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to agree, unfortunately. Uh, when he first came on the scene, it's clear that he had talent and we were looking to try to mould him into a central midfielder. But what he couldn't do, the Thiago and Naby Keita are the two players in that midfield that can do it, is pick the moments between when you move the ball on first, first time or you know one touch and then pass or you can take it, turn, dribble, do whatever you do with it. You know, that, that decision-making and what you need to do at the right time and do it quickly, he just didn't seem to be able to grasp that. It just didn't come to him. And consequently, he would be dwelling on the ball and taking too many touches and it would invite invite the opposition onto him and it would obviously change the options that we had and break down attacks and become a bit of a problem. And, and, and Adam Lallana had to, used to have a similar problem in that the team progress beyond Adam Lalana, who's a nice technical player but likes to have the ball at his feet and have time and take lots of touches. And we became a quicker team than that. We were able to function at a, a faster pace than what Adam Lalana played at. And that's not a knock on Adam Lalana, it's just that we progressed at a different level to him. Yes. And he could no longer be as effective in that team. And it kind of feels that when we play to that high tempo, quick, quick football, that Curtis Jones doesn't, it can't really kind of live with that. So for all the talent that he undoubtedly had and looked very promising as a youngster, he hasn't really sort of kicked on and moved on and progressed. And I think the real thing that he needed and probably still does need is an opportunity to just go out there, even just go on loan and play somewhere where there's less pressure and he can play week in, week out for providing he's not getting injured. Um, and for for a year, maybe two years, and work his way through this because some players just need games for their development. They need to be able to play, make the mistakes, learn from the mistakes, and iron some things out and learn and develop and become the players that they need to become. But they need time to do it. They need time on the pitch. You can't always do that in training. You can't replicate it in training. So some players are special and it comes to them quickly. Other players need that time and they're going to need to make the mistakes and learn on the pitch. And he's not going to get the time on the pitch with us in order to be able to get through all of that. So he really needed to go on loan. And now we've gone, you know, a couple more years down the road with his career and it's not really done him any favours. So he needs to play games. And whether that means he's got to go out on loan or whether he's got to be moved on, I don't know. But for me, if he is going to progress... That's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to have to play regular football, and it's just not going to be with us because that was a you know as a question came. If he's not going yeah. to get on in this situation, when is he going to get on? And it's and and that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Because unfortunately, for all the talent, he's not at the level that we need right now, and it's only going to make it worse for him and hamper his development even further. So for the good of him. And potentially, you know, if he goes on loan for a year and it does it does help him and he does kick on and he does progress and then he can be a valuable squad member, 
and it would be to the you know not just to the to the aid of him but also to the to the benefit of Liverpool Football Club as well. I think you spoke in absolute sense there, Andy. And um, Carl, I mean, this player is 22 years old. Like He's hitting his peak years, right? And, you know, it'll just be a waste if he just sits there, does nothing, doesn't get picked. I I honestly believe that I just don't know what kind of player he is. I've not seen enough of him to make a judgment. And the fact that he's 22 and I know very little about him or, or I, I can't give a a definite answer in terms of will he work for us, won't he work for us. I think Andy Spot, and I think lots of people have been screaming that he should be he should be on loan somewhere. I've even seen people on social media saying if he wasn't a local lad, he'd be long gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Andy covered it well. Um, you know, I, I think his decision-making has been in question from the, the moment he broke through. And we all kind of thought, uh, you know, It'll, maybe it'll come, but here we are a few years on and it still hasn't came. And I think, it, as Andy pointed out, it's largely down to a lack of football. He hasn't really played. I think the little niggly injuries haven't helped him at all. But now he's fit and our midfield is struggling and he's not getting on the pitch. And, and that says a lot. And, you know, as you said, Nina, we still don't even know exactly what he is. I mean, I'm still seeing people debating on, on social media and Discord and the like, is he a midfielder? Is he a left winger? Is he, you know, it, nobody knows. It, there's still so much in the air. And, and we all want him, as as you said, he is a local lad. And for that reason, we want to have local lads in the team. Obviously, we're excited when Trent broke through. He was the first one in a while. For Jones to, to follow shortly after, we, we hope maybe it was going to be a trend of things to come. And he has had a handful of games where, you know, we've seen a lot of energy from him and he's looked like a, a tidy player. And, you know, we, we get excited because you're going to get excited when he, an academy lad let alone a, a local lad breaks through but but then the next game you know it's just complete frustration it's like he's he's running into blind alleyways you know he's keeping on he's beaten two or three players with some silky dribbling and then he's just running into uh, straight into the, the fourth player you know when he's had a chance to lay it off for Salah or whoever to to have a, a shot on goal like it's it's just very frustrating and I don't think it's going to improve for him here anytime soon he needs to go out and play and I think it could be a lesson learned for us as far as Carvalho goes because he's a, a player we're seeing struggling at the moment we're failing to get the best out of him you know maybe we just need to accept that he needs to go off and, and play somewhere and, and maybe find his feet in Premier League football much like Jones needed to do and you know as I said, you just need to learn that lesson and, and not repeat it. And I'm going to stick with you, Carl. So let's talk about this. So um, uh, it feels like much of a muchness. You kind of know the tone of how Liverpool are going to perform or what kind of game it's going to be very, very early on in the game, which does remind me of the whole COVID season of football. But let's go there. Within five minutes, oh, my God, a goal. And um, I think it counts as a Matipon goal. Obviously, he feared to kind of take it off um, Huang. Um, maybe should have done better defensively. It kind of ricochets off him. It kind of goes across the face of goal. I think Trent tries to clear it, but fails to do so. I think, oh, God, it just feels like an age away because that game was a really, really slow game, by the way. And, uh, you know, and it kind of... Alisson tries to sort of claw it out, but it, obviously it goes over the line and it's a goal. I mean, it was just, it was just horrendous, I think is what I'm trying to say. Within five minutes, what is wrong with us? Yeah, I mean, the, the, 
look, Andy talked about the, the you know what could be wrong with the players. Is it physical decline? And I think there there certainly is that with some players to well. varying degrees. And is it confidence? And and I think it's it's certainly that with a lot of players. And I think that's couldn't be better highlighted than our two starting centre backs today. You've got Joel Maddup, who you know clearly looks like he's he's declining. And then you've got Joe Gomez, who even before the low confidence seemed to hit the rest of the squad, seemed to be struggling for confidence himself earlier in the season. And I said on Discord during the week that, you know, maybe in a way, Kanate's injury could be a blessing in disguise because it kind of, this season in large parts, a write-off at this point. So to give us a chance to kind of give Matip and Gomez a run of games and so we could look at Matip and say, is this decline permanent or is it just a dip in form? Can he play himself out of it? And can Gomez find his confidence? And I mean, based on the evidence today, I, I think the answer to, to both these questions is is no. Or rather, well, yes, in terms of the decline being physical, but no in terms of, of them, them being able to get out of it. You know, maybe they will in time, but we haven't seen any evidence of that today from the very start they were at sixes and sevens. I mean, there was a warning sign for Mata before the goal. And then on the goal, he lets it bounce. You know, it, it's amateurish, to to be honest. I mean, he just he just didn't look comfortable. And, you know, he lets it bounce. Hoang gets in. You know, he makes a half-assed attempt to make up for it. And it just goes off him and into the net. And I felt so sorry for Alisson because we talk about how poor a lot of our players have been this season a lot of them haven't been themselves be that down to physical you know lack of effort whatever it is but he's one who has been on his game he's one who you know, a lot of people have him in their team of the season this year for the premier league which says a lot that liverpool's goalkeeper is in you know people's teams this season given how bad we are but he has been really really impressive and you could see how frustrated he was, but it's not it's not on him at all. You know, it's it's on those around him. They're they're not doing him any favors and it, it just it just sums up you know what a what a laughing stock we are at the moment. I mean I, I think at one point the commentator said towards the end, you know, Liverpool are so easy to play against and we really are. I mean, it, it it doesn't take any amazing football to get in against us. It's just simple directness. Um, and and we're just at sea. Like it's it's so frustrating to watch, and and I just I, I just wonder if 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 we have the answers because it doesn't seem we do at the moment. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
<laughs> just sighing all the way through this pod. Andy, I'm going to come to you. What did you make of the red start? And, you know, um, I think Klopp kind of addressed it in his um, post-match conference. I'm just going to sort of um, uh, paraphrase pretty much what he said. There's no excuse. I can't explain it. The first 15 minutes were horrible. It needs to be changed. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, uh, you know, so he's kind of highlighting as well that he's absolutely bemused by what he saw. But I'd like to get your thoughts on, on the first goal. And if you want, you can talk about the second goal as well, because, um, I think that came around about 11 minutes. And, um, I think that was Dawson who scored, but it just felt like it was a nothing shot. And again, from set pieces, why are we so bad on set pieces? Sorry. I'm just going off on one, but Andy, over to you. Um, one thing actually is, Against obviously we've got we we kind of went back to basics and it started with changing the midfield around and we went back to absolute basics where you just make yourself a lot more compact, a lot more difficult to play against, and you, you know you're looking to restrict the opposition to uh, chances and, and which was something we've been uh, very generous with this season and. And I thought, for, you know, against Brighton, the first 60 minutes, we, we did that. You know, we, it wasn't entertaining at all, but we were restricting them. We were compact. We were being a lot more difficult to, to play through. And, and we were actually creating some chances as well. And then, obviously, what happened, happened. The thing today is you can't really have that when... Five minutes into the game, you've given a goal away. That's it. Then that whole game plan completely goes out of the window. So the idea of being sort of resolute, tight, compact, and narrow, and and holding it all together, and then use that as a base that you're going to build off before you know to start to express yourself. Maybe look to hit them a little bit on the counter attack later in the game. That, that all of that completely goes out the window. And for me, for Joe Matty. Uh, Joel Matty, this this wasn't you know on five minutes. This was literally from kickoff, literally from kickoff. Defined the game that he was going to have because we did that thing where we take the kickoff, we roll it back into uh, into the back four, yeah. and one of the centre backs will hit it long, and we'll be chasing it down, looking to apply pressure from the very beginning. So we take the kickoff, it goes to Matty, and he absolutely shanks it into the centre circle. Wolves get on get on the ball and they're replying pressure. So that's in the first ten seconds. That's and that's it. That is Joe Matip's game for the day. Yeah. That's it from kickoff, and that that really epitomised what he was going to do. And and there it was on that first goal. He, as you said, he. It's almost like he knew he should go there and intercept that ball. He knew he should, but he didn't. He second guessed himself, and then he did nothing, and then he kind of stood off. And then he thought, like, tried to halfway, like half-ass, try to address it, and then ends up getting a deflection on it. And yes, it is an unfortunate own goal, but it comes from atrocious defending, really, really poor decision making. And again, the second goal, it just comes from poor organisation, poor communication, application, the lack of confidence. I mean. I can't remember who it was, but as they take the free kick, we've got one defender who drops a few yards behind everybody else and plays them one side. And the ball comes in, and it's a simple catch. It's a simple take for Allison. He's about to take it, and he's shouted. And Gomez yeah. decides to head it, but he doesn't head it clear. He heads it to the penalty spot. And okay, you you know the it was one of them days where I think the ball would drop for them, and it wasn't dropping for us. You know, you can 
maybe argue a little bit we had one of them days where you know the ball it, you know a bit of luck as well didn't kind of go our way in certain situations it drops to them and they smash it in but it comes about from poor defending poor decision making poor application you know just as Joel Matty does the wrong thing and we get punished for it on the first goal or Gomez does the wrong thing on the second goal and then we get punished for it and if that for me, really, those two situations, those two goals, that was it. That was the day we were going to struggle. We're always going to struggle to get back into things. It was a horrible first 15 minutes. And to be frank, it was a horrible first 45 minutes. We were going to struggle from that point. And those two today were absolutely abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. And yes, confidence is low. But you've got to do the basics. And today they couldn't even do the basics, the pair of them. They couldn't control the ball. They couldn't pass a ball. They couldn't do the basic things that you need to do. And and that that was the, those first two goals were just like that first half, an absolute horror show. Yeah, and I've got a quote here. Um, it was on This Is Anfield and it's Alison. I don't know what will wake us up. And um, I'll... I'll come to Carl on this. Carl, you know, when we go 1-0 down, I'm a bit like, okay, hmm. Within 11 minutes, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. I want you to talk about the goal. And um, I think I think Andy's absolutely spot on with our defence there. But when the second one goes in, I'm absolutely bemused. But I've actually thrown in the towel there because I could not... One, chasing one goal with the way we are right now seemed tough. Trying to claw back two goals for me just seems impossible right now. I, I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, yeah on I the mean, second goal. Yeah, uh, I mean there was calls uh, I saw uh, in midweek on on Twitter and that looking for Nat Phillips to actually start over Joe Gomez, and I laughed them off because you know I, I think Joe Gomez got a lot of blame for Brighton's winner in the cup game. But I think that was just a brilliant uh, bit, bit of dribbling from Matoma, who is uh, a brilliant dribbler. And I, I thought that was a bit harsh to, to blame Gomez. But I, I do think, as I said, Gomez has been struggling for confidence all season, um, particularly when he played some games at right centre-back earlier in the season. But I, I thought... It was pretty bad, wasn't it? The Napoli game. If I yeah, yes, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were counting the amount of, usually with a centre-back, you might prevent the amount of goals they prevent, but as we were counting the amount of goals he was costing us. But uh, I thought when he played left centre-back recently, I'm not saying he was great. No no one's been great in this side, but I, I thought there were signs of improvement from him. So for that reason, I thought I laughed off this suggestion of Nat Phillips playing. But then... Today, Joe Gomez was, was just back to the Joe Gomez that we saw, as I said earlier in the season, at right centre-back. Like, he, he cost us that goal with a, with a poor decision. And he, to be honest, we'll get on to it, but he, he probably is a fault for the third goal too. Like, he was absolutely abysmal. And obviously, Joel Matip wasn't doing any favours beside him, no doubt. But I mean, they're they're both equally to to blame today. And while I'm I'm still not quite going to go to the extreme of saying I hope Nat Phillips starts the derby. If he is to start the derby, you know, I'm not sure we can have too many complaints because that's how bad these two were today. And, we got, uh, um, sorry, I was going to say, and we got Reese Williams back off loan as well. 
who could just put these Williams in that village. Let's bring the band back together, shall we? We, It worked two years ago. But, I mean, as Andy, I I can't really say much more about the the goal than than Andy said. Like, it was just a a comedy of errors. I think the failure to deal with the free kick originally, uh, letting Cunha get the cross in, Gomez's decision, and then... Obviously, then it's just unfortunate that it, it falls. Actually, they had two chances. And I think they had a stooped header that got blocked and, and then it fell to Dawson and he slotted it in. But it's just, it, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> as bad as we were earlier in the season, defensively at, at times, the one thing we were good at, you know, we were we were top of the table for defending set plays. And then we had the Brentford game. And then ever since then, we, we've, we've been absolutely laughable at defending set plays. I mean, it's worse than the days of of Rafa when, you know, you had the constant debate of zonal marking, you know, it's, it's far worse than that. Like this, it's just, it's just comical, like how bad we are on them. Mm. And you know what, uh, Andy kind of touched on this as well, and I have to agree, the first half was absolutely awful. I mean, Carl, for me, I'll stick with you. For me, what I found really, really alarming was the fact that we couldn't string two passes together. It looked just like a bunch of 11 players being shoved on a field together, asking to play football. And there was just nothing about us that looked like there was willingness from us, that we wanted the ball, that we want to show up, want to get into the opposition's faces. You know, this is a team, Wolverhampton are a team who are probably the lowest scoring team in the Premier League. And we were 2-0 down to them. We had no fight. We had no muscle. And, you know, losing is part of the game. Okay, we're losing a fair bit. But it's, it's the attitude and it's how we're playing. And I, I was absolutely disgusted with that first half performance. It was a no-show. Yeah, I mean, I feel two players, you know, other than Alice and obviously between the sticks, tried to, to put in effort. And, and for me, that was... Stefan and yeah. um, Nunes, and I, I think uh, you know Nunes. You know he's shown in his time at the club so far. Like he's always going to run. He's always going to try and be a threat in behind. He doesn't always make the right decisions, and we saw that at times, particularly with the the effort he had, where he could have probably played in Mo, and maybe Mo would have had a better angle on goal. Um, but other than those two, I mean, it was it was a sham. You know, they, they, it was. You know, lazy off the ball. It was lazy on the ball. You know, mm-hmm. we we were just playing it. I don't know if we were playing some kind of weird meta game where we were trying to kick the ball off Wolves players. You know, I, I, I don't know who won it between Thiago and, and Navi Keita. It was a pretty pretty close, um, but it was just absolutely awful. I mean, it, it's just a pure lack of effort in, in that first half. And, you know, things things can be bad for you. You can say, you know, oh, this, such and such a player is is um, has no confidence, like, like Gomez, for example, or, or such and such a player has declined, for, for example, Matip, or, you know, uh, we, we don't have the right midfielders. That's all fair. But the very least thing you expect from those players is, in a red shirt is their effort and I just think that wasn't there in that first half and and that's that that's disgusting to be honest it really is and I'm going to come to Andy now Andy second half of course you you've kind of highlighted how how despondent the Reds were in in the first half going two goals down and just failing to do anything I'm I'm going to move on to the second half and of course you know we go in at half time you know as a supporter you're sat there thinking how can things get better what can Jurgen Klopp do 
you then you look at the inspiration maybe off the bench where does it come from i look at that bench i'm like well i don't want anything from there you know for most parts <laughs> you know like you look at it it doesn't inspire you it's quite underwhelming but they come out in the first and um, the second half and talk to me about that because i felt like there was a bit of more purpose about them absolutely second half first 20 minutes of that second half was mm. it was it was it just basically us applying pressure Yes. And it was the only period of the game where I thought, actually, you know what? If we can get a goal here, yeah, we're, we're you know we might actually get get a bit of something behind us here. We might get a second because it it was wolves were literally hanging on. So it was last ditch challenges, box, and and it was and it, again it was one of them days where it was coming off for them. You know, if you were making a block, it was it was coming off for them, and the ball was dropping to another defender for them. For us, it wasn't falling to us, and and that's just. There are there are going to be days like that. It does, you know. It seems to be a lot of days like that at the moment. But yeah, we came out quite positive. We were going at them. We were creating chances. Um, the only thing being that in that final third, in, in the first half, we looked like absolute strangers. Like them players had never met each other before. Yep. Uh, and they they just had no no idea, you know, who they were playing with and what they were supposed to do with the ball once they got into the final third. We were trying to do some things. It wasn't always coming off. Some of the decision-making was quite poor. You know, we were, I think there was a point where Nunes laid it off to Salah where really he should have been taking a shot. But then the flip side of that is then there's the time where he actually decides to take it on where he should have been laying it off to him. And he had a couple of opportunities. Uh, One, obviously, it's a good save by the keeper, but you feel that he probably should finish a little better and should take that chance. And Salah's well off his game. But one of the things I did feel is that it wasn't. It wasn't like he was really good today or anything. But Cody Gakpo, he's he was tidy. He was neat. And in the second half, he was actually going at players and he was taking players on and it was coming off for him. And one thing I have seen from him, apart from the fact that he's a tidy, good tactical presser uh, in his short time at mm-hmm. Liverpool, is he's got a really, really nice first touch. His first mm-hmm. touch is really impressive. So you know. Over time, perhaps there is a player there that we can work with and he will be able to offer something. Hopefully, you know, once the team's actually playing some football and they all get to know each other again and they're in, in form and in good confidence, it might help him actually, you know, show yes. us what he can do. But he was doing some good things and it was just one of those things as well. I mean, we had that shot, didn't we? There was a chance for Cater where he probably should have finished it, but as it was, it was blocked off the line and then was the appeals for a penalty. But in fairness, it comes off his, his leg and onto his arm. So then they're not going to be given as penalties, and, and rightly so. So it, we, we had that period of pressure. You felt maybe it would come, maybe it would come. But then, yeah, that period of pressure turns with the third goal, and that is it. I mean, that is absolutely game over. And it's... And... As as low as I felt at half time, uh, I think I'm not, I'm not sure. Actually, I think it's a competition between the third goal and half time. I'm not sure which which hurt me more. It, 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 yeah, it's, <laughs> I it's, find it's, it's, it's really really bad, isn't it? Because like mm-hmm. one thing I've noticed is Liverpool have Liverpool have small little bursts of where they apply pressure, right? And if we're going to have to be clinical in those moments, then we need to be clinical in those moments. Otherwise, what is the point? I think we had a short burst of pressure against Chelsea as well. 
um, in the second half, at the beginning of second half, which is quite interesting. Maybe that's something that they're working on. I don't know. But then if you're going to apply that kind of pressure, then it, we need to be clinical in front of goal. Yeah. I'm going to come to Carl. Carl, talk to me about... Yeah, not wasteful because again, that's and then because obviously it looks like there's no steam in the engine. And if you if you're only going to bring it for a short period for fifteen twenty minutes, then you need to be crisp with your finishing, your decision making. You have to be perfect in those twenty minutes if that is how you're going to roll. Uh, Carl, I'm going to come to you. Um, I really liked um, Andy's points about Gakpo there and what he liked about him as a player and stuff. And I felt like he was getting more and more involved in in the, that that period of the game where we we had some pressure. And um, I like the fact that, you know, we're looking at this player and, you know, the irrationality um, around him is, oh, we didn't, you know, like, oh, he's, he, he doesn't like a good play. He looks like a flop. It's very hard when players are not, the whole purpose of a new player is to be set up. First of all, he'll be quality. That's a given when you play for a team like Liverpool or was the case anyway. But, you know, players have to help settle that player in, right? And, you know, and if, He's looking around and this team is literally, their confidence is in their socks. It's very hard, but I'd like to get your thoughts for the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, as far as Cody Gakpo goes, um, I mean, we talked about on the front end of the pod about kind of, you know, Andy suggested how bringing in the the right player in January might have given things a, a lift. And, you know, some people have talked like we haven't signed anyone and others are quick to point to, to Gakpo. But the, the issue there is, you know, we brought him in and then we haven't really used him to the to the best of his strength. We're, and we're bringing him into a bad team, as you say. And you're not going to get that boost from, from that player if, if you're not going to give them the license to, to kind of do their thing. And thus far, I feel we, we've kind of limited Gakpo. We're, we've played him central and because, uh, as Andy pointed out, he does seem to have some tactical nuance when it comes to closing down space and stuff, defending from the front. And maybe Nunes doesn't do that all that well. Um, but at the same time, that's not allowing Gakpo to, to get on the ball and, and do what he does well. And this is maybe the first time in that second half where we actually gave him license to, to play his game and, and we saw, you know, little little signs of, of what he can offer. Um, but it, it just kind of makes you scratch your head because, you know, when we were signing Gakpo, we kind of thought the two biggest weaknesses in the team at that time were the midfield and then that we had no natural kind of attacker for the left side with uh, Jada and, and Diaz both out. And then we're, we're suddenly playing him centrally and now we play him on the left and and we do see that little sign. Now that said, it, you know it wasn't the perfect game from him. I think in the first half, largely down to the service. You know we we didn't see too much of him. You you, you could be forgiven for forgetting he was on the pitch. But you know, as as I say, you you're you saw some signs, which is a positive to take. And you gotta hope that maybe now we we will start to utilize them, and we can finally look at it instead of saying, "Oh, this was a waste of money." You know, that was a waste of a transfer. He doesn't fit the team. Whatever we've been seeing amongst the fans, people start to say, "Oh, well, I, maybe I can see what Klopp was thinking, or Linders, or whoever the hell decided to sign him." So fingers crossed, because at least some positive can, can come out of that signing then. But I mean, we did see some early signs in, in the half. I, I think it helped that Wolves dropped off. 
they invited us on and and that allowed us to to apply some pressure but there was also obviously a kind of the it was clear that the team came out and thought look we have nothing to lose maybe something to gain let, let's have a go and a lot of that came down that left side through Gakpo and Robertson um we, we got it we got, had some chances Salah Keda and Nunez all had chances to score. Probably all three should have done better with their chances. I mean, I kind of couldn't help but laugh at Keda's chance because I thought that in the first half he had he got the ball at the edge of the box and he just quickly wellied it straight at uh, two Wolves players. And this time, when he probably should have wellied it first time towards the net, he he kind of takes a a couple seconds and allows the the Wolves players to to get themselves set on the line and, and they're able to clear it. So it, it, you just can't help but laugh because it, it just kind of sums up how we are in front of goal at the moment. And I mean, t- you, you can't help with, if you want to look at it from a negative angle. And, you know, as I said, Wolves sat back. Did they sit back because they didn't fear us? You know, because they, they don't fear what Liverpool bring in front of goal at the moment. And if that's the case, you can't really blame them when you're looking at the statistics. How how many big chances Darwin Nunes and Mohamed Salah have missed this season? It, it, it's pretty damning. You know, again, I go back to that, that uh, comment from the commentators that were easy to play against this season. And and we really are. As I said, the, 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 the fact that we concede goals to, to simple balls is one part of it but the other part of it is just completely how toothless we are like we, we don't carry the threat we we once did and you know I, I was been saying recently that maybe our only prayer for a recovery this season if we if we kind of go to that you know that the uh, brendan rogers-esque kind of we we score you score three we score four uh, you know and maybe we could see something like that if our forwards start firing but thus far there's just no no signs that that they are going to start firing and it's just it's just another weakness within the team at the moment and it's it's just such a concern yeah it's really really scary and carl i'm going to stick with you because you kind of alluded to the the third goal so you know what let's go there because before that club makes a a a slight substitution takes off kata brings on henderson um neves (laughs) runs through our midfield and, and scores and you're just like Oh, God. You know, you just scratch your head. You accept it. But talk to me about that one. Because for me then, I mean, for me, the writing was already on the wall. 2-0. And third was just like basically adding insult to the injury. Yeah, I mean, as I keep saying, like, it's just, a, it's not, it doesn't take amazing football to, to, to pull Liverpool apart. Like, it, it can be the simplest ball. I mean, we we... We moved on from the the first half before we even looked at the when Matip did the exact same thing again, failed to to deal with a ball yeah. and and Hwang got in and and almost yeah. made a three 0 Then it, it might have even been game over by half half time. You know, might have put Andy out of his misery there, so we didn't have to to kind of debate what was the worst moment half time or 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 the third goal because it obviously would have been half time then. And it's just so simple, you know, it doesn't take much, you know, if, if we get ripped to shreds by, you know, kind of some awesome crossfield exchanges or some quick one-touch passes between players, you know, th- th- those kind of goals you can applaud, but we're looking at, like, we're just conceding the most simple things. And again, it's just laughable. Like, Joe Gomez brings the ball into midfield. He, he takes a terrible touch, loses the ball, 
Stefan does his best to try and, and, and get it back under control, but, but he loses the ball. No, through no fault of his own. Like, he can't, but he's trying to recover it after Gomez's mistake. And then it's just a simple ball out to, to Traore. And I kind of, at the time, I was like, oh, thank God it's Traore. I mean, we know he always makes the wrong decision. But for once he makes the right decision and he just plays a simple ball across to, to, to Nunes, or sorry, Neves rather, who, knocks it in and, and uh quite quite a, an exalted celebration and I, I again I was laughing at that because I, I thought oh it was only a few weeks ago that we were being linked to Neves and, and Liverpool fans were saying oh no he's he's too slow for us which is a point I, I agree with but it still just seemed funny to see him race through our midfield. You know, this this midfielder we thought was we we believe is slow and, and, and get on the end of a ball and, and, and finish us off. Like it's just you know, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So I, I just found myself laughing at the third goal. I like it. I like the fact that you kind of had to take that positive approach. I mean, Andy, where were you when the third one went in? How were you feeling? Your thoughts on it? <laughs> Honestly? Jesus. As Look, as Carl said, Gomez in the lead up to it is so poor. I mean, Basetic gets caught on it makes a bad decision, but I'm not going to have too much of a goal because he's 18 years old and we're asking an 18-year-old to anchor our midfield when we've still got um, a number of other midfielders, all our senior midfielders uh, available to, to pick. And we're having to uh, we're having to ask an 18-year-old who wasn't even under consideration at the start of the season to anchor our midfield. That's the, that is the stage that we're at in this season. So I'm not going to have too much of a goal him. What comes after it is um, the thing for me is Neves makes that run and 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 rightly so. Look, Neves doesn't have any pace. He's a good player, but he doesn't he doesn't have pace. He's making that run diagonally across behind where Tiago's running towards towards the ball, and he's looking to make try and make that cover Tiago. So our two other midfielders who were on the pitch at the time, which Basetic was one, and Henderson was the other. Both of them are looking at that situation. Neither of them get back to try and recover and cut out that run. And the other players, because it was something like about four, we had like four players to their two or something like that. And somehow we we do not intercept that run of Neves. And he takes, look, he takes a really nice touch. At first I thought, you know, maybe he's got lucky. That's kind of ricocheted off his leg and dropped nicely. But no, in fairness, he took... He took a very nice touch and finished it really, really well. But the our our entire sort of structure and how we deal in transition when we've lost the ball, it is just a complete and utter mess. It really, really is. And uh, and that's one of the things for me. It's just over these past few years how we seem to be getting worse and worse. I know you said about set pieces, but the other thing being in the transition, we used to be good at that. When we had Ginny Van Aldum as part of that midfield, in transition, our defensive transition, we would be good. We would restrict uh, opponents to hurting us and we would force them into into situations, areas of the pitch that are away from the danger and then have to do something special to get at us. We were very good at that. And we used to be good at defending set pieces as well. And we've become, as you said, you know, certainly in recent in recent games, We've, we look a bag of nerves defending set pieces. And this season, we look all at sea when it comes to um, that defensive transition. 
Uh, and and today was again that third goal was a perfect example of that. The way that Brentford um, hit us and hurt us at will, and and I feared before the Brentford game actually how they would hurt us because they're very good at that. Is exactly how we got hit on that third one. We can't deal with that, and it and it was just so so poor, so so poor. And uh, there's there are simple things to be done, but there are also other things. And it's yeah, it, it's it's time on the training pitch, obviously, which we're not going to get as as things get congested over the coming weeks. But we've also on the other side of that is we've had a lot of time on the training pitch over the World Cup break and a preseason, yeah. and and what's happened is we've come out of those periods where we you could be working on things on situations on structure and on um, your organisation and we actually look worse so perhaps perhaps playing game after game after game might actually help us because it seems whatever it is that we're doing in terms of our planning it's really really not working and it's going the opposite way but these are, are fundamental basics that we're, we're doing badly and and it's it's so so disappointed so so disappointed question to both of you on just something what Andy said there that one game maybe maybe we need to play more do you think psychologically as well like I know physically um it makes you know you always think oh yeah players have time to recover but do you think psychologically it would make like maybe these losses and these performances are kind of festering in the players minds and maybe there's a darker cloud hanging on them as for if you've got a jam-packed fixture list you're able to kind of brush things off a lot quicker and you have to move in a in a more progressive kind of way where you don't have time to think about the next you've got to think not you've got you you don't have time to think about the previous one you've got to think about the next one and it's got to be a continuous thing do you think that could be like it could be helpful it it could well be i mean i'm willing to grasp onto anything at the moment (laughs) Uh, when, when you think, I mean, when you think back to, uh, you know, the, we, we draw the parallels to the 2021 season. Yeah. And we did have a run there. I mean, of 14 games, we won like three and lost something like eight of those games. And we'd lost, we actually lost six out of seven games. And, and at that stage, you, you could not see us winning games. You could not see us going on a run. And it looked like we were done for. And then the last of those games we lost, we were eighth in the table. And nobody would have said we were going to finish in the top four because that's not how we, we just didn't look anything like that kind of team. And then we won six out of our last eight games. So, uh, you know, and somehow, um, sorry, yeah, six out of our last, uh, in fact, no, it was more than that. Yeah, so uh, uh, eight out of our last 10 games to end up finishing third. So it can be turned around. And if I remember rightly, at that point in the, the season, there were games thick and fast. So perhaps is there something in that psychologically? You don't have the time to dwell on it. You're not going to sit and think about it. When your confidence is that low, it is that um, that old-fashioned machismo thing of you're just going to have to uh, man up and get on with it. Get out on the pitch and do something about it rather than sitting and feeling sorry for yourself and analysing it endlessly. Get on the pitch and do something about it. So maybe maybe that will be the way forward for us. Um, I'm willing to, like I say, I'm, I'm willing to grasp at anything at the moment because um, uh, maybe I felt this way uh, a couple of seasons ago. I can't remember. It seems a long time ago now. but And I wanted to forget that season that ever happened. So maybe I felt exactly the same way just before we went on that mad run at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, Alison scoring a header. 
Yeah, bring it on. I mean, Carl, have you got anything to add to that? And then I've got another question for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a fair point by Andy to, to draw that parallel. And I, I think earlier when I was talking about 2021, I kind of got stuck on my words and, and um, didn't quite, quite put across what I was trying to say is in how Klopp addressed it. And I think Andy kind of touched on it there. Is it was just a case of kind of getting your best players in their best positions and, and just letting them play and figure it out themselves to, to a degree. And I, I'm sure in the end of the day, that this, that's going to be the approach, you know, as I suggested earlier, maybe we might see a return to the four four two, and, you know, fingers crossed if there's no setbacks, you know, we'll, we'll see the likes of Van Dijk and Kanate and uh, Jota, hopefully up, up front, I'd, I'd hope. And, uh, you know, eventually Diaz, um, whenever he makes his return uh, back on the on the left, slot in as, as your best players in, the, in their best positions. And, you know, hopefully they, they can put something together and, and you know, they, they, we start to see some inklings of, of effort from them because that's where it starts. As, as we said, that the first half, absolutely lacked effort and in the second half it's easy to say oh they, they came out and played for 15 minutes or so but that that's that's easy to do when you have nothing to lose and, and the opposition is inviting you on it we, we need to be seeing that from, from the start of games um but you know maybe that maybe that's it you know to, to just let our players play on instinct because i'm not so sure that the the coaching or the the tactics is is doing much good for us at the moment I'd, I'd have to agree with that. And Carl, I'm going to stick with you because obviously when everything goes wrong and I know social media is a place that you should kind of avoid, but obviously very, very mixed bag. And um, People are talking about Jurgen Klopp, that he looks absolutely defeated, broken. He's even come out and said he doesn't know what's going on. I don't know if he's referring to what he's seeing on the pitch could be or what's going on just in general at Liverpool Football Club. But, you know, he does, even on touchlines, like he's not his animated self. I mean, I want to get your thoughts. On, on the whole Jurgen Klopp conundrum because um, I feel like there's people saying that he's going to walk. There's some people that are saying maybe he should get sacked. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Not me. This is what you're reading on social media. He should walk or he is going to walk. He should get sacked. I mean, what do you make of this? I mean, he nobody's untouchable and everyone should get criticism. 
And there's been a lot of criticism at Jurgen Klopp's door this season for many things, many things, you know, including the transfer window, if it is all him, if he's giving certain people more power in the decision-making, his loyalty, the tactics, you know, we're talking about the 4-4-2, he's gone back to the 4-3-3. Plenty of reasons why you should have a go at him, but I want to get your thoughts on on just this whole scenario of, of Jurgen Klopp. I mean, where do you sit on this? I mean, have you got it? Just help me make sense of it, basically. It's a difficult one. I mean, I think there's a lot of, as you said, on, on social media and, and between the fans, why, you know, the wider base of the fans, you you know, there's a lot of debate. You know, some people are pointing the finger at FSG. Some people point the finger at Klopp. You know, I'd like to think it's a, a combination of, of both. You know, I think in, in terms of the owners, there, there hasn't, I mean, there, there's never been enough investment. You know, we, we, we talked about that. They, they never really going to, as you said, they're never going to put their own money in. And in reality, they haven't even put as much money in from the club as they could have been. I think they, they, they could have made other decisions with, with regards of how they finance the infrastructure, which would have given us more to, to spend. I mean, you, you talk about a, an inability to compete with Chelsea and, and City. I mean, look at Arsenal. I mean, I think in the past seven seasons, Arsenal have outspent us in terms of net spend over two to one. And Arsenal don't have, you know, kind of a... a, a Todd Bowley, you know, taking out loans or, or kind of using little tricks, you know, but kind of playing just inside the rules to, to be able to do kind of a lot of business, nor do they have oil baron owners, and, and yet they've managed to outspend us significantly. So it's clear FSG could have done more across their whole tenure, let, let alone this season when, when we clearly needed it. I think as well, you know, it coming out that, you know, it's hard with the whole thing of looking for new investment. and under, These things are going to get out eventually, I feel. So maybe they needed to put it out there, but they also needed to, you know, kind of give... I know Klopp seemed to hint in, in uh, a press conference a few weeks ago that, that he is kind of being kept in, in the loop with regards to what's happening. But, you know, he can only be kept in the loop so much. And I, I feel... I. I you know, with, when things are going badly and then there's also kind of a doubt about the future of the club as in, you know, who's going to be calling the shots at the end of the day, that, that's going to filter down to, to the manager, the coaches, the, the players. You know, if we were firing and, and fighting for the league or, you know, we were kind of a true in both cups and we were firing all cylinders... It'd be a lot easier to ignore the ownership talk, you know, because we'd be focused on what's on the pitch. When yeah. things are going badly, it's hard to ignore those things. So I think that there's definitely, you can you can look at the owners there. But then in terms of Klopp, you know, as you said, he's getting things tactically wrong. He, he clearly is, it, I don't know to the degree, I, I don't like to get too much into to kind of the conspiracy theories of this, you know, Pep Linders is calling the shots now or, you know, Klopp forced the the recruitment staff or whatever the case might be. But there's clearly something, there was some kind of clash behind the scenes there. The recruitment staff decided to move on. Klopp is clearly in the past, say, I'd say at this point, three seasons, had more influence over the transfers. And 
all in all, the transfers haven't gone that well in that time. You know, we, we've had more flops than, than we did in the, the years prior to that. So Klopp has to take some, some blame for that. And, you know, at, at the moment, he's not getting the best out of the players he has. And whether we could argue he should have been given more players, that, that's fair. But he should be at least getting the best out of what he has, which he isn't at the moment. So uh, I think that the blame's all round. Like, as we've been saying from, from the top of the show, that there's rough from top to bottom and there's no point in pointing the finger at one person or the other. You know, a lot of things need to change if we're going to come out of that. You know, clearly, as as Andy said, we need new ownership. We need a new plan. That needs to happen. And then whether, you know, Klopp is, he's, he's a club legend no matter what happens, but he is still, for me, a, a top manager in a lot of ways. And the decision has to be made then, you know, and that's up to Klopp in in, in a lot of ways. You know, it, it, presumably when new owners come in, they put their structure in place. They have a plan. Is Klopp willing to be a part of that plan? You know, I'm not saying he should turn into a yes man. We don't want that. But he needs to be able to work within the, the structure that, that's been placed in the group because the club needs to have a structure and it needs to stick to that structure. Uh, no, none of this FS, like FSG came in and they learned on the job. We, we can't afford that again. As 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 we said, the, the bar has been raised so high with Man City, Newcastle, Chelsea, all the money that's getting pumped around. You need to be constantly striving for improvement, constantly. You can't afford to sit on your laurels for, for a couple of seasons while you learn what's going on, which is why it's key that we need to get this resolved, get the new owners in. They have to have a plan that they stick to from day one. And then, as I said, whether Klopp's a part of that or not, that's not something I can answer. That That's something for him and, and them to answer when the time comes. Same question to you, Andy. We're, we're all massive Jurgen Klopp fans. It's not gone great for him this season as a whole. Your thoughts on it? Of course, you've seen the Twitter cries. And me personally, I just feel like I'm not willing to throw in the towel on him. I don't want him to walk. I think if he walks on this, it actually tells me that he's not mentally as tough as what he always sort of, what I perceived him to be and what he kind of sold himself. I feel like you've got to take the rough with the smooth. We took all the smooth. This is the rough. And everything is all up in arms. You can't really pinpoint and highlight him as being the only, only problem. I want to see him go back to the old school way of having a recruitment team that is doing their job properly. Maybe have less involvement if that is how it used to work before. Let them get on with it like Michael Edwards used to. And maybe some financial backing with the owners. So we're getting the right players that at the right price, the right target, and everyone's happy. Right now, yeah. it just feels like he's trying to do too much. Yeah, and I mean, it feels very Brendan Rodgery, I can't lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of the ownership and everything, I think Carl covered all of that uh, very well. Um, in terms of, of Klopp uh, throwing the towel in, I, I, you know, the, obviously the whole thing with Jude Bellingham and the links to him are so, so strong. If the, the club have told Klopp and they've assured him, look, guaranteed him the money is there and they've got the assurances that he is going to come and it's practically on a guaranteed thing, then I, don't think, I think there's no way he's going to throw the towel in because he's waiting for this and this is something, you know, the next phase, this is the next step in his, in his journey. So I, I don't think, I, I don't think that would come if, if that's, you know, somewhat along them lines, which I, I kind of, you get the suspicion that the, the complete lack of willingness to do anything is almost like we're hanging on something. 
So, but in terms of Klopp, uh, look, I absolutely love the guy. And, and I, I mean, you'll know going back yes. to the Rogers yes. era, I championed mm-hmm. him and I, and I absolutely was adamant that he would come to Liverpool. And if he came to Liverpool, he would be the perfect guy for us. And he, he absolutely is the perfect guy for Liverpool. For me, he's still the right manager. There is still nobody better for Liverpool than Jurgen Klopp because he's the perfect match for, for the club, the fans, everything. It, it, it just it just goes together. He's He is that kind of guy. He is infectious. He's having a bad time. A couple of years ago, uh, similar questions were being asked of Jurgen Klopp that whole season where it was falling apart. And yeah. he had some fam. Obviously, there was some uh, situations with his family, a bereavement in his family. And there was question marks over him and his future and would he stay and all the rest of it. And he overcame that. And I think he can overcome this. But I, I have been critical of him this season because he's not beyond criticism. As much as I love him and think there is nobody better for the job, he has not been above and beyond criticism because Agreed. he has had a poor season. The players, yeah. for me, like we say, we've talked about the ownership, that whole situation, that obviously that needs to be resolved and the, the owners could, could have done a hell of a lot better and could do more in terms of the way investment. Klopp, obviously, there's issues there behind the scenes and I think he's had a poor season in terms of the whole thing of setting the team up and some of his decision-making. The players on the pitch as well, Okay, the setup of the team and the tactics have not helped the players, and and that's probably contributed to the situation that we're in in terms of the confidence being low, and it all kind of snowballs itself. But in terms of application and decision making, when on the pitch, that's down to the players themselves. So players making bad decisions, wrong decisions at the wrong time, is down to the players. Players not trying and putting the effort in where they need to. And what was an absolute fundamental basic of being in a Jurgen Klopp team, that's down to the players as well. So the players have got their part, just as Jurgen Klopp's got his part and the owners have got their part. So this is, you know, they're all in this together and, and for good or bad, they're in it together. Everyone was involved in the success. And, and right now, as bad as things are, they're all involved in that as well. So they're the ones who've got to dig themselves out of it. And And I, and I would... I would caution anybody who does think it's time for Klopp to go to take a look at uh, Borussia Dortmund. When Jurgen Klopp left there, he was, and he still is, adored. He left there, it was an emotional emotional thing, him finishing, and, he, and they, they absolutely they serenaded him as on his way out, and rightly so. And yeah. look at that club ever since. They have struggled to replace him. They've looked for... Um, somebody who could do what Klopp did and you'll never find anyone that can do what Klopp did and they've struggled to move past Jurgen Klopp years later they have struggled to move past Jurgen Klopp so, so for all the good things that Dortmund still do and they've come close on things they, they're not, they haven't won as much as they should be winning they, they don't, they've had like, I think two, two cups, two Dave Paper Cals and that is it so they haven't been as successful as they should be and they haven't done as well as they could be because, and they've churned over managers because it's difficult to replicate what Jurgen Klopp does, and it's difficult difficult to to move past and and the next stage of after a Jurgen Klopp. So yes, things are bad, but let's just um, be careful in in uh, in be careful what you wish for, I suppose, as as the cliche goes. So. Yeah, like I said, they're all in it together on the good t- on for the good days. They're all a part of this 
going uh, wrong at the moment. So it's going to be up to them. And for me, I'm still firmly behind Jurgen Klopp. As much as um, I, I'm criticising him for things, I'm, I'm still firmly, firmly behind him and believe he is absolutely the right man for the job. Yeah, I just want to see him under new owners now and having some backing and maybe, you know, I'd like to see how he's able to operate. That's what I want. Um, I've not given up on Jurgen Klopp as well. I think, like you said, it's all rotten top to bottom at the moment and we need to fix the top solution first before we start thinking about other things. Guys, I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Is there anything you guys want to highlight before I call it a day? No? Okay, that's fine. Cool with me. Right, guys, um, I think we've reached the end of this podcast. I want to give a massive thank you to Kieran and John for calling in. A massive thank you to these two. Really, really good stuff on this pod. Horrible, horrible covering it, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, a massive thank you to both Andy and Carl. Carl, um, uh, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Yes, so nothing to plug. As I said, this is my first podcast in a very long time, but I'm, I'm hoping it won't be the the last one for a while um as for social media you can follow me on twitter at kmac of the cop please do give him a follow he's an excellent follow and hopefully we'll have him on more podcasts as well and we'll be hearing more from carl andy what about yourself where can people find you on social media and is there anything you'd like to plug um at andy armchair on uh, twitter i've got nothing to plug at the moment um and they say you've got to reach rock, reach rock bottom before you uh, climb back up again. So uh, the only thing I think we can take from this is hopefully this is the absolute bottom now. It doesn't get any worse than this. Bearing in mind that we've got Dyche and Everton coming up next. <laughs> Here's hoping, yeah, Monday night that one's got a, an anguished weekend before that one kicks up. But guys... um. Do give Andy a follow as well. Give Carl a follow. For my part, I'll be back for post-match um, for the Everton game. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we turn a corner. And it's a good one. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone that joined us on Discord as well. We really, really appreciate it. Take care. Um, till next time, wake up Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.